or not showed, they uh, put on the performance of Footloose. You may remember that movie from the 1980s, to which our uh, <laughs> freshman 14-year-old adolescent beautiful attitude said, Footloose, isn't that a movie? Can't we just stay home and watch it on Netflix? Why do we have to... Uh, you're not getting the point here, kid. All right. Anyway, uh, so good stuff. You know, hopefully you got out and about and did some good things this weekend. Although, uh, tough time on the gridiron for the uh, local local folks here. Broncos and Buffs just uh, you know, not doing so well. But for those of us whose affinities lie elsewhere and our affections are in the state of Wisconsin, uh, not a bad weekend for, for us Packer and Badger fans. So even though I have moved around a lot uh, growing up as a kid, our family roots are very much still in the state of Wisconsin where my parents are born and raised and my wife and I both went to the University of Wisconsin. And uh, you know, it can be difficult to be a fan of a different team here in so-called enemy territory. But don't worry, I've got a pretty good support network set up and to help me out. So I actually got a letter uh, just the other day from my grandmother who is a lively 96 years old. She lives in small town Stevens Point, Wisconsin. And uh, she sent me a letter the other day with... She printed out the schedule of the Green Bay Packers this year. Okay, because she's concerned that, uh, you know, I don't have access to information here in, uh, in Colorado. So it took her a little while. Usually she gets these kind of magnetic schedules that they, they pass out at the various stores in Wisconsin at the beginning of the season. Supply chain issues, things were a bit low. So she finally got around to printing out the schedule for me. Um, so I can stay informed. Because she has come to learn that, uh, you know, you, you grow up in small town Wisconsin and, you know, Packers stuff is just everywhere. And so it can be difficult for people who grow up and live in that environment to understand that that's not the way things are for many people in other parts of the country. And so she's, you know, helping me navigate that territory. But she learned that, you know, several years ago when our kids were younger, she got them uh, little Green Bay Packer jerseys for, for Christmas. And she told me, well, don't worry. You know, if they don't fit, I got them at Walmart. You can always exchange them. <laughs> I was like, you know, Grandma, they, uh, they don't sell Packard jerseys here at the Walmart um, here in, in Colorado. But so, uh, you know, in case you're worried about me, don't, it, it's okay. We're doing well. Uh, Packers fans are, are in a good mood, as are Badger fans. Let's get the, those Broncos and Buffs back on track. Hey, a couple things before we get started today, uh, just to bring to your attention. Uh, first of all, a lot of great stuff happening here around the church. You may recall that we announced the Lamb's Lunch Ministry, uh, so that happened this last week on Saturday. Hey, and a special thing, where's Paul? A special thanks to Paul for, there he is. Okay, so Paul has been just a tireless worker behind the scenes with the Lamb's Ministry, keeping everything in check. My family's participated several Saturday mornings over the years. It's always great to see Paul in the kitchen doing his work, doing his thing. So I, I know he likes to kind of keep a low profile, but I think a little recognition from time to time is good for the soul to keep motivation going. So, Paul, thank you for the work you're doing behind the scenes. And it's a good reminder for many of us that there are lots of opportunities to serve here, not just at our church, but in our community. And one of the things we're committed to here at Men's Life is informing you of those opportunities. And so there'll be a number of things happening here around the church, around the community, great opportunities to, to get involved with things. And if you're not directly connected with Grace Commons Church, or maybe you are, but, you know, feeling a little disconnected, lots of things, lots of changes going on around here, finding ways to serve is really a great way 
to, you know, keep things going, stay motivated. You don't have to have all your theology figured out. You don't have to have all the administrative stuff here around the church figured out. All we need are your, your helping hands. It's a great way to, in many ways, stay in step with the Spirit and stay connected. Plus, it's great sometimes to just serve behind the scenes, patiently, quietly. Nobody really has to know about stuff. You know, it's kind of like peeing in a wetsuit, you know? No, nobody has to know about it, and it makes you feel warm all over. I mean, it's just wonderful. Hey, uh, one quick formal announcement before we get started here, and that is next week there are no announcements. That's because there is no men's life next week. So we're going to take the week off for Thanksgiving. So get in, in preparation for the grand feast. Everything to be thankful for. I, I love Thanksgiving. It's probably my favorite holiday uh, for all the uh, normal reasons, but especially one. And it's because it's the only major holiday that's on a day, not a date. None of this, okay, is it on Wednesday or is it a Friday? No, it's Thursday. It's just Thursday. Fourth Thursday, every month. You always have Friday off. None of this. When's the day off? When's the... Thanksgiving's great. So enjoy a little time next week. Sleep in a little bit. No announcements, no men's life on Tuesday. Then finally, before we transition to our teaching time this morning and get some direction from Mike, the power of the Holy Spirit, I've got... uh, a little dilemma I'm hoping you can help me out with here, okay? A little conflict that might need some resolution. And I admit, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not sure I'm up to the task, so I need some input from you. You may recall in a previous men's lifetime, I, uh, I made an announcement or a proclamation that people would begin to come in here, and I referred to this area out here as the narthex. Oh, I know. And uh, Russ Teets, bless his heart in all his wisdom, gently reminded me, you know, that's the atrium. The narthex is over there. But, you know, I've kind of been walking around and realized there's not exactly a clear distinction. And I think it raises a very important philosophical, even metaphysical question. Where does the narthex end and the atrium end? begin. Hmm. Any thoughts on this? Where, where's the official boundary between the narthex and the atrium? Any thoughts on this? You got the wall coming down here. Okay. All right. You know, because it's interesting, you know, there are a couple different ways to understand narthexes and atriums. You know, I was doing a little homework on this, and actually, the narthex in classic Christian theology, Orthodox Eastern religions, you know, the narthex is always west facing. And so if it's not west facing, it's actually not a narthex. Also, when narthexes originated, what they meant was it was a place for people who were not yet converts to wait outside the church. They were not able to enter. It's where they had to wait and listen to the service for the Spirit to move them towards conversion and then bring them into the church for full participation. I'm not quite sure that's what we have going on out there. So anyway, Russ, thank you for bringing that to my attention. It's certainly a theological mistake I will try my best not to make again. But uh, let's ponder some of the intricacies of our building here, especially as we're involved in a new vision project and redesigning. You know, that we have a deep understanding of some of these 
important theological distinctions between the atrium and the narthex. That requires some intense wisdom and guidance from the Holy Spirit, I believe. And so what a great opportunity to learn more about that. Hey, as we transition from our announcement introductory time, why don't we turn to the Lord in prayer just to kind of reset and get focused. We'll bring Mike up here. Hear what he has to say during his teaching time. So join me as we uh, talk to our Lord this morning. God, uh, good morning. It's good to be with you. Uh, bright and early, uh, just, you know, awake <laughs> thy sleeper. We thank you for the food that you've provided. Thank you for the hands that made it. We thank you for all that goes on here behind the scenes just to bring this into being. And as we turn our attention to our teaching time, open our minds, open our hearts, help us to listen and discern what you have to say. Give us insight and wisdom into the power of your Holy Spirit. And, uh, and be with Mike during this time. Give him your words. Give him your attention. Uh, Use him to teach us this morning. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, you, Matt. Take that green bay. Schedule with you. (laughs) And, you know, you brought up an interesting thing, and later we'll we'll have a discussion after your small group. Cancel. And what is a refectory? So, you know, all these medieval things we brought in. Actually, the refectory was my favorite place at seminary. The refectory was the cafeteria. So that was a great place to be. So the other thing is, uh, just really appreciate hearing back from you about how it's going in the small groups and and, uh, kind of relating to this whole uh, topic we have of really getting to know the Holy Spirit. And uh, one thing that's come up is that uh, sometimes we don't know if we should refer to the Holy Spirit as He or It or what. The Holy Spirit, as Jesus refers to Him, is He. Because He's a person. Right? The third member of the Trinity. Uh, so the person of God with us today. So don't uh, fret about saying it or wondering. Think about it. And what we're talking about involves this dynamic relationship, not within it, but a person. All right? A being that we know each and every day or can know as we follow him. And, and again, I love how I'm hearing what's going on in the small groups. And one of the uh, small group leaders came up to me last week, or last week, yeah it was, and said, you know, you didn't mention this scripture, and I want to highlight it as we start this morning, because I think it's a fantastic scripture to, to, to know what we're really about on these Tuesday mornings, and then take that into our daily lives. And that's in Luke 11, 11 to 13. And Jesus is teaching in Luke 11 about prayer. He loves to teach us about prayer. Which Prayer is simply conversation with God. Don't let anybody give you any other kind of formulaic thing about prayer. It's not a formula. It's a relationship again. It's, a, it's a, just a conversation, a dialogue that we are to have at all times with God as we're going through things. And so Jesus is teaching on prayer. And he's talking about how God wants to give us the greatest things. And so he says, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, you don't give them a snake instead. Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you, you sinful people, and of course in other words meaning you people that are trying your best but you often do wrong, but if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father, because he knows exactly what we need, right? And you expect Jesus to say, give good gifts. But instead he says, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. How about that? In other words, 
Jesus saying, this is the best gift we can get from the Father for our daily lives. The Holy Spirit, right with us, that we could be with Him and be filled with Him in our lives. So focus on that wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. The best gift we can get, that the Father wants us to have that more than anything else in our lives today. He wants us to have this amazing gift of the Spirit. That we can walk with Him and be with Him and be led by Him and discover the greater life and be empowered into that by the Spirit today. So in walking with the personal God with us today, the third person of the Trinity, we've been talking about four verbs. Last week we talked about the first one, which was to be filled continuously with the Holy Spirit. And all these verbs we're finding in the scriptures, and we, we, we laid that out last week. Today we're going to take a look about don't quench the Holy Spirit and what that means in terms of, of not dimming, not putting out the fire of that relationship the warmness of that relationship we have with the Holy Spirit. And then uh, in a couple of weeks we'll come back and take a look at keeping in step every day, every situation with the Spirit. And then finally, don't grieve the Spirit. Four verbs. And if you think about that, two positive, two negative. And it helps us to, to think through how we walk every day, how we live every day with the Spirit. Two positive things. Be filled and keep walking with. Two negative things. Don't quench, don't grieve. So if we kind of get these things. So let's take a look at don't quench the Spirit this morning. The key way to be more filled with the Spirit is to learn to work with, not against the Spirit. We don't want to work against the Spirit. That will quench the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19-21 expresses it this way. And here's the key verse for today. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. So basically if you want to think about it, again, what is the great gift that God has given us to live with him today? Now, keep that in context here. Jesus was the first great gift. He came to show us God. He came to show us what life can be like when it's lived to the full. He came to then die for us to remove the sinful barriers, those wrongs we have done that keep us from being holy in God. He makes us holy. He consecrates us. He cleanses us. He rises again to show the victory over sin and death for us. And then he goes away. And remember where he said, I'm going to send you that new advocate. So the first great gift was Jesus. And now... Another one has come alongside, another Paracletos, who has come to be with us today. This great gift, it's like, again, it's Jesus, his spirit with us. What a great gift. So we want this best gift. So hold on to what is good. Hold on to this great gift of God. Hold on to everything that is good from God that will fill our lives with meaning and purpose and joy and love and all the rest. But... Stay away from wrong things. Reject, in fact, that's a strong verb, isn't it? Reject every kind of evil. That's the way we don't quench the Spirit, is we reject it. But when we hold on to those things, then we start to quench the work of the Spirit in us. So let's think even deeper about what does it mean to quench the Spirit. It's fun to look at different translations of the Bible. When I'm studying, I don't have just one Bible that I'm using. 
I like to look at several. You can buy parallel Bibles, but what's nice today is you can get Bibles, software Bibles, and you can actually have on your screen, depending on how large your screen is, several versions at once. Anyone do that? It's a great way to study, yeah. And so if you don't have that ability, you know, get at least a couple going and, and look at the comparison. So, for instance, on this Don't Quench the Spirit that we just read, 1 Thessalonians 5, um, most translations, the, the New Living, the, New, the English Standard Version, the New American Standard Bible, translate it like we have here, Don't Quench the Spirit. But the message reads, Don't Suppress the Spirit. The Holman Christian Standard Bible reads, don't stifle the Holy Spirit. The contemporary English version reads, don't turn away God's Spirit. The Good News translation says, do not restrain the Spirit. Don't you love all these verbs that that are expressing this dynamic relationship that we can hold away from us, that we lose that power. The International Standard Version has it this way, don't put out the Holy Spirit's fire. Don't put out the Holy Spirit's fire. And I think that's probably the best translation. Because one of the key Bibles I look at that I'm grateful I have the ability to do is is the original Greek text. And so all of these things give us a greater understanding of what this don't quench means. Because, you know, let's look at that last one. Don't put out the Holy Spirit's fire. You know, there's a lot of way to put out fire. Especially if it's a, a, a gas fire or something like that, uh, that you can't just throw water on. That's the, the typical way is just throw water on it. But certain fires, if you throw water, it doesn't help at all. It just spreads the fire. So you have to, that's why you often see that foam coming out in, in fire kind of situations from the, from the fire agencies. They use a foam to, to suppress it. And what they're doing is they are removing the oxygen that builds up that fire. And I love to barbecue. I'm a charcoal kind of guy. Uh, I want to ask for a show of hands. I think we get in this great debate on are you a gas barbecue or a charcoal barbecue. And if you're a charcoal barbecue, you know, do you add extra wood like that good Texas mesquite wood, you know, to your to your barbecue, right? Now, some of you get into How many of you really love to get into the, the flavors of the, of the smokes in a barbecue? A number of you again? Yeah, a couple of you. Some of you need to, to come on board with that or you're just not ready to raise your hand. Got to wake up this morning. We'll get you going. And I found I've got a Weber like this. Uh, in fact, I, I, you know how when you get married, I probably shouldn't go too much into this, but when you get married and you get all those shower gifts and they're all for your wife, but my guys got together and they bought me a Weber grill. And that thing's still working. I've had it for 42 years. But what's cool about it is, you know, you put the, all the coals in and you get this great fire going. And then when you're done, you put the lid on it and you close that little dial thing up top and the one at the bottom. So you close off all the air. So you stop the air from going into the coals. And those burning red embers die down. And they actually are not used up. So you can use them again the next time with some new coals. But that gives you the idea is as we close off the source of oxygen or air, we are suppressing, we are putting out the fire. And so there are things that we do to the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit is a hot, 
resource, or source rather, of energy and warmth that comes from God that gives us life. You know, it's kind of like photosynthesis brings the sun's power, the solar power, you can think of solar panels, into creating life and energy. But if you cover up the clouds with the sun or you take that solar panel and you, you put dirt over it, doesn't work too well. The more you cover it up, the less light energy can come into your life. And the Holy Spirit is that source of light, of warmth, of power, but He will not force Himself upon us. God is so gentle. Uh, I, at times I wish He would be more forceful. You know, I see what's going on in the world today, and you as well. And we would just say, God, why aren't you more active in coming in and forcing this to happen? But see, it's not that time of force yet. We're not in the time of judgment yet. We're still in the age of grace. Thank God, right? Because when you think about it, if God had to keep forcing us, we would be broken down to the point where it would be nothing. He's still being gentle with us, hoping we can learn. So the Holy Spirit doesn't force himself upon us. And so in that way, when we don't work with the Spirit, it quenches his ability. It suppresses, it puts out that fire in us to work with him. I want to list for you, there's many ways to do this, but I want to list for you today five key ways that we quench the Holy Spirit. You know, if I'm really thirsty, how do I quench my thirst? I drink a lot of liquid. If I'm really hungry, how do I quench my hunger? I eat. All right? So, when you think about that, what we put into our bodies can either be effective for giving us energy or it can cause problems. You know, that old saying about computers, garbage in equals garbage out is so true. But it's also true to our minds, our heart, our spirits. When we fill our minds by reading trashy novels or, by, or will we read books that enlighten us? Will we lust after pornography or will we fill our minds with healthy images? Will we waste our nights and days with television or seek out meaningful conversations and studies? Will we waste our resources on gambling or use them to serve the Lord and others? You know, those are some obvious ways that we can get garbage into our life or healthy things that feed our mind and our heart and our soul. We don't want to fill our lives with worthless and temporary things, but we do. I watched a TV show last night and afterward I said, you know, I'm preaching on this tomorrow. I shouldn't have watched that show. But I still do it too. I'm still learning. What is, what is it that brings health into our lives? So reflect on how often you do this. Reflect on are we filling our lives with the excellence God has for us or are we just kind of wasting time? With things that do not add up to what is meaningful and helpful and wholesome. We want to fill our lives with the truth of Jesus. We find that in the Bible. We find that by following that with the Spirit's leading in our lives. Fill our lives with the joy of relationships in Christ. I spent the last six days with my four grandchildren. It was hard work. They're nine, five, three, and one. And especially the three-year-old right now. Oh my goodness, that terrible, 
tease time. Twos and three-year-olds. I, I thought she was the sweetest little girl ever when she was one-year-old. Now I think that I wonder where she came from. <laughs> and yet, and yet, I'm so glad I had time with them. It's the most meaningful thing I can be doing. One of the most meaningful things I can be doing, just spending time with those precious children and help them through that time. Now my grandson at nine years old, it's so fun to be with him. He's come through all that stuff. He's started to, to be at the point where we can just do things together and really enjoy that relationship. I am investing my life into their lives that we can have this wonderful life together. That's what God's doing with us and investing his life as a spirit. Now, when they don't listen, my grandchildren, it quenches my ability to love them and help them. Right? Because they're not listening to me and what I have in love for them, but they're trying... It's, Halloween just, you know, as you know, was recent. We had that great time with Matt talking about his Halloween costumes. You should see the candy they have poured out still on a table. And all they want to do is eat that candy. And it's right here, and here's the dinner table here. What do you think happens with the dinner food? They don't want that. They want all that stuff here. So we have to bargain with them. This is what you do with kids. It's really sad. You have to bribe them. If you eat this much of your plate, you can have a candy. Eat more, you can have a two candies. But you see, they're so concerned about that stuff that isn't good for them. We can be that way too and quench the Spirit. Secondly, we can ignore the Holy Spirit's leading. We can ignore the Spirit's leading. Just say, I know, I know it's there, but I'm, not, I'm just going to keep it over here. I'm going to keep it on the side. I'm going to keep it on the shelf like our Bibles. I'm not going to look at it. I'm not going to let it lead me. I'm not going to have the Bible teach me. Or I can say, Holy Spirit, I know you're there, but I'm not going to look at you today. I'm just going to pretend you don't even exist. This quenches the Spirit. Now think about, the Bible teaches us what we do when we face temptation. The Spirit then helps us to defeat the temptation. And one of the ways he does that is that the Spirit will bring a verse to mind that is from the Scriptures that will show us the way out of the temptation. You know that great passage in Corinthians, that no temptation is coming to you that is not common unto all, but that the, that the God will show you the way out. And one of the ways he does that is through the Spirit... He brings the truth of Christ alive in our minds to find the way out. And I shared last week that I often deal with anger. And one of the scriptures, I'm sure you've heard of it, that I go to over and over again is Ephesians 4, 26-27. It says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. You've heard that one? For anger gives a foothold to the devil, and it really does. So I keep that passage in mind very often, and I get angry, and I say, but this is ruining my relationship with my wife or my children or with this friend. And I say, I don't want that. I don't want to give the devil a foothold. So Spirit, lead me. I don't know how to deal with my anger right now. I don't know how to go back in and be reconciled. Teach me how to do that. And that's how it can work in our lives. We want to seek the Lord's way out of the temptation of the Spirit. We want to resist evil. We want to fight off the temptation, but we can't do that by ourselves. 
You know, we're called to turn the other cheek and be gentle. Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. But how hard is that sometimes when someone is just being a pain in the rear? We want to fight back. But we're called on to forgive. We want to hold on to our hurts. We want to seek revenge. But we're called on to be peacemakers. We need the Spirit. We don't want to ignore him in those times. We want to call on him. Every time we don't listen to the Holy Spirit, we quench him. Our hearing him then lessens. The more we quench the Spirit, the harder it is for the Spirit to break through because we're building up these walls, these barriers against him. Our hearing grows, uh, lessens. Our seeing dims. Our hearts get more calloused. And this is what happened. Our minds grow dimmer to his wisdom. But if we keep on his path, our spiritual walk with the Holy Spirit gets very cold and dull. You know, you'd think that the people of the New Testament who walked with the apostles and the disciples, they would really get it. But over and over, what I love about the New Testament is how real it is. These are real people, just like us, who forget, who grieve, and who quench the Spirit. I mean, two churches particularly, and I'm going to mention one right now and I'll mention another later, really dimmed their ability. They put out the Spirit's fire. The first is the Corinthian church. In 1 Corinthians 1, chapter 3, 1 to 3, Paul writes, Brothers and sisters... I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit. Which is how they're supposed to live. Which is how we're supposed to live. And so I hope he wouldn't say this about us and our churches. Brothers and sisters, I can't address you as people who live by the Spirit. Because why? You are people who are still worldly. You are mere infants in Christ. I have to give you milk, not solid food. For you're not ready for that solid food. Indeed, you're still not ready. You are still worldly. You see, we're holding on to that worldly stuff instead of throwing it off and seeking the better, the excellence of God. For since there is jealousy, this is what he notes, this is what makes them worldly. And, And unfortunately, we see this way too often in our lives and in our churches. Since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? That's his definition of worldly. Jealousy and quarreling in the church. Oh, boy, that strikes a a tough one, doesn't it? The more we're jealous, the more we're, we're quarreling, the more we're worldly, and we're holding on to that stuff that keeps us from growing and maturing the spirit. We're just mere baby Christians, and we're not maturing. Are you not acting like mere humans? That, that last verse really gets to me. Oh, yes. You know, when do we always say that? I'm only human. Oh, I'm only human. When do we say that? When we do something bad, right? Actually, we're not human when we do that. We're subhuman. God created us as humans in his image. In other words, to live the life he created us to have. We fell from that. And so actually we're not truthful when we say we're only human. We're truthful when we say we are corrupted. We're fallen human. We need help. And that's why God sent the Spirit. So don't ignore him. Third, we resist the call of the Holy Spirit for each day's decisions. So when you face decisions, large or small... If you don't let the Spirit be part of that, I mean, God with us. God is the Master, the Lord of our lives. When we come into any kind of decision, we should be saying, well, what should I do? Instead, when we don't follow Him and we just seek our own or others' decisions without God's help, 
God with us, then we are quenching the Spirit. So, you know, it can be in the big, the big thing. Certainly, we want to seek God's help um, when we're trying to discover uh, if we should take a new job or not, um, make a move to another city, uh, into a different neighborhood. Uh, when we got married, we should have been consulting God if that's the right person for us to marry. All those big decisions are vital, but we forget every day we can be led by the Spirit as we're making so many decisions each day. What we're learning to do in those decisions by turning them over, and some people say, oh, I mean, I mean, how many of you when you got up this morning asked the Spirit to, to help you put on your clothing? You know, what type you should wear? And that's always a big debate. Should we be praying for God to lead us in which shirt we should wear today? All right. And so, actually, technically, no. But why not? Because what we're doing by that is we're making ourselves aware. We're training our minds to become aware of what is happening in our hearts, where the Spirit resides, to say, in every decision, I want to first and foremost say, this is important. And so, when I'm training my mind, I take the small decisions every day, and I give them the Spirit. Does it matter what I wear sometimes? Well, it used to matter to a lot of the little ladies when I was preaching. They'd always come up to me, and instead of hearing anything I said, they'd say, Your shoes, they're not polished. I used to get that. You know, why, don't you, why are you looking at my shoes? After a while, though, I figured, I'm going to remove that obstacle. I'm going to polish my shoes. Little thing. But if that's what's keeping them from listening to God's Word... So I hope you don't mind the shirt. I, I prayed about this was the right shirt to wear today. So I hope you don't mind that. What I'm trying to say is the more in the little things we include the Spirit, it becomes easier and easier to include the Spirit in our big decisions. And particularly in our relationships. So for instance, I ask the Holy Spirit to lead me in every meeting I take. I pray He'll make that meeting bring glory to Him. I pray he'll use my time that I can help that person I'm with. And that our relationship will deepen and grow. I'm amazed at how this works. Sometimes when I'm not sure what the meeting's about and maybe I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be a difficult meeting. And I walk into it with my human misconceptions. And I walk in and I sit down and I start talking and I'm saying, Lord, lead me in this spirit. I need your help in this. It ends up being some of the best meetings I've ever had. It's amazing how the spirit takes over the meetings and appointments I have with people. The Spirit wants to lead us into the discovery of a deeper relationship. So pray for me. I have a really difficult meeting this week. And uh, with one of you here, I'm not going to mention the name. So just kidding. It's going to be a great one. But I am meeting with him. I'm praying that's going to be great. The Holy Spirit comes alongside us to reveal the Lord's will for us. To reveal the Lord's will for us. And those, that is happening in our decisions. What is God's will for our lives? Some people think that God's will is boring. Oh, I don't know what God... I, don't, I want to do what I want. I know it's going to be fun. I know it's going to be great. But God's will, it's boring. It, you know, it just is tedious. I mean, it's going to take a lot of work. God's will... I mean, who wants to go to Borneo? Well, if God's will for you to go to Borneo, the jungle's there, that'll be the best thing you ever do. I've been to the jungles in Central America. Some of the best times I ever had. Serving God there on mission trips. You know, I don't want to be a pastor. I don't want to be doing this. I don't want to get up at 5.30 on a Tuesday morning. 
But God's leading us into something greater by his will. I want to look at Romans 12 too. Um, This is a great passage just to memorize, especially the last part of it. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't be worldly. We talked about that. Let God transform you into a new person. That's what God's about. He wants to transform you. He doesn't want to conform you. To conform means to be pressurized, right? God's not forcing us. He's not pressuring us. He doesn't have a mold. He's stamping you like on the assembly line of parts. He's not con- you're not being conformed. You're being transformed. Transformation is a living process into a new life. A new person by changing the way you think. That's got to happen. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Now here it comes. This is what I want you to hear this morning. God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. When you and I don't seek God's decisions, we're losing out. We're losing out on what's good and when God good is the best. What's pleasing and perfect. I'm glad it mentions pleasing. You know, that's what's, what brings that wonderful, joyful experience in our life. What's pleasing and what's perfect for us. Well, that's what we need. God knows it. He wants to bring it in our decisions. So don't avoid him in our decisions. I mentioned the Corinthian church before was one that was being worldly. Let's look at the Galatian, Galatian church. Galatians 3, 2 to 3. I would like to learn just one thing from you. This is what he's saying to the, to the uh, Galatians. Is he, is he saying this to us? I'd like to learn this. Just let me ask you one question. Did you receive the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? When we came to know Christ, it was a miraculous moment that God intervened into our lives and we open our lives to him through that power of the spirit we became new people and we were living alive and I don't know if you remember that time you gave your life to Christ and how exciting that was but for so many we've fallen away because from that point on we forget that we live by the spirit we go back to our old ways of living in our flesh in our worldly ways We resist the Holy Spirit's leading. We live by our own resources. We put out the Spirit's fire. We quench Him. We don't want to do that. Fourth, we minimize the work the Holy Spirit can do with us. We cool off the Holy Spirit within us to do good works when we think nothing vital can happen among us. I hear that so many times. People say, you know, there's just not much that can happen. I mean, we're kind of a doomed people. Not much can happen in my church because it just seems, as, you know, nothing really ever happens here. Nothing happens in my life. It's just not exciting. See, we have this preconception that nothing's going to happen. So we minimize this, the fact that the Spirit can do this. I was teaching about the Holy Spirit with one group, and, and one guy got so angry at me because I was talking about when the Spirit takes over your life, how much can you excel? And so I listed, maybe you were at 25%, and and you can get up to 70% effectiveness in your life of living, in other words, of living a meaningful, joyful life. And this guy came up, he was so angry with me afterwards, he says, we can never make 75%. He was angry about that. And I was trying to 
encourage people. You know, I don't know how high we can get in this life. Remember, I said earlier, we're going to be glorified. We're going to be 100%. Won't that be joyful when we enter into the God's eternal kingdom? But how high can we get in this life? How much can we excel in the life, the abundance God has for us? And this guy's pouring water on it. He didn't believe God could do that kind of work in his life in the church. Remember what Jesus said in Revelations 3, 15 to 16, the church of Laodicea. He says, I know your deeds. You're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. My wife cannot stand anything lukewarm. Her coffee has to be boiling hot. You know what I mean? Or you want something cold. You want a cold, refreshing drink on that hot day. You want that warm drink on a hot... You don't want this lukewarm, mushy stuff, right? Are we lukewarm to the Spirit? We quench the Spirit when we're more concerned about doing things the same way rather than doing things the way He wants us to do them. And I, I, I love this saying... Why do we keep on always doing the same things when it's never given us the result we want? You've heard that? But we do it all the time. We need to think of the new things that the Spirit wants to do in our lives and hearts. Are you resistant to change? I am. Everybody is, right? Really, when you think about it. We're resistant to change. We like the comfortable old ways of doing things. But the Spirit wants to transform us, to take us on. So let's not be lukewarm. And finally, fifth, we neglect the gifts of the Spirit in our ministry. The Apostle Paul warned Timothy of this in 1 Timothy 1, uh, 4.14. Do not neglect your spiritual gift, which, is, which was given you through the prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands upon you. So do you know your gift? Every follower of Jesus has the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives every follower at least one spiritual gift. What's the difference between talent and a spiritual gift? Talent is part of who we are. We can learn talents, you know, like to play the piano really well. But a spiritual gift can only, and what differentiates it is, it is empowered by the Spirit for it to work. If you have a spiritual gift, like I have the gift of prophecy. Which means teaching the truth of God. But if I try and do it in my own energy, it's not going to get out there to you. But if I'm relying on the Spirit right now, He's the one that empowers it and brings it into your life. And as you're listening in the Spirit, that's going to be vital. It's going to change you. The Spirit's the one that has to get it going in your gift. So are you using your gift? And we could talk about this in a lot of different ways. Uh, So let's go back. As we get you into your small groups, I want you to think about this. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21-22. Do not quench the Spirit. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. So, here's the illustration I want to leave you as you go. What is your spiritual lung capacity? What is your spiritual lung capacity? Now, an infant has just a certain, a small little lung can only breathe in so much air. And as you get older and mature, you're able to breathe in more and more air. But think about these professional athletes who have 
developed their lung capacity that they can keep on going. Who usually wins that football game? If you watch, the second half is where the team that has developed their physical capacity finally wears down the other team and overpowers and wins the game. Now friends, we can develop a spiritual lung capacity. In other words, are we breathing in the Spirit? Are we letting the Spirit empower us through the air of His life coming into us? Are we being invigorated? The more we learn to do that each and every day, the more we're developing a spiritual lung capacity. But when we quench the Spirit, we're staying immature. We're just baby Christians. Where are you on your spiritual lung capacity? Let's pray and send you off. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for these guys. Thank you for their willingness to be here and be led by you this morning. And as they go into their small groups, Spirit, continue to lead and guide them in their very conversations. I pray that the conversations this morning will be the best they have ever had in their small groups because everyone here is going to be open to your leading, Holy Spirit, among us now. Amen.